Welcome back to the Packy Run Podcast. My name is AJ. Consistency is pretty fucking hard, La Gambina. And I am Dan. Uh, don't ask me how to use your mobile tickets. Bayot. So work, uh, work's going as well for you as it is for me, huh? I mean, we just had our big popular artist concert of this summer season and man i'm glad i wasn't there physically but when i'm not working in the physical box office i'm working as a call center and i had some interesting calls uh explaining the same thing over and over and over to a lot of people yeah (laughs) but i I guess that's every job you know you just have to repeat yourself time and time again yeah, dude, it's uh, I'm. It's not. It's not the same position, but it's kind of similar. Um, so my buddy, uh, my buddy Rohan, uh, who I've talked about on the podcast before, he is no longer working with me. Um, so that's that makes life tougher just in general. But also, yeah, it's just. I think it's the same with every job where you end up in these positions where you just have to repeat yourself over and over again, and you kind of gotta kind of gotta steal yourself up for just being able to be like, okay this this is what it is like if this is how i'm gonna earn my paycheck then fine yeah and that's I, uh yeah that's very much that's very much kind of the position that i'm into where it's just you end you end some of those days and it's like man i not even physically burnt out just mentally like the lack of the lack of like thinking ability that some people has or some people have really just kind of blows my mind yeah for sure um, I mean, I just started, I also work at another venue and last week was my first week or like uh, last week was one of my first days back there. So that's exciting. Um, being back in Seaport for the summer, just that's fun. As a much beautiful as, area of the city too. As much as actually, you know what? I trash on Seaport constantly. I think Seaport is probably my least favorite part of Boston. It's overpriced. Can, it's congested. It's it's every, like you're just surrounded by like much wealth. <laughs> yeah, I can I I get that, but that has so much more to do with the clientele than the actual like physicality of it. Like as somebody that's not living there anymore, like anytime I end up in the Seaport district, you kind of look around and you're just like, "Oh yeah, this is what makes Boston like a real city." Like there's there's that part of it that I have like nostalgia for, but also, yeah, I I completely get you. <laughs> like, it, yeah, there's I, there's it's that there's a couple but, of parts of Nashville like that. It's that, but also Seaport is just like so difficult to get to. Like, thank God I I I'm like in a car now, like driving. Although driving is a damn nightmare in this city. Let me <laughs> let me tell you that. Um, <laughs> um, but man, from leaving from Brighton, it's like an hour and that's on a good day because you have to take the green line to the red to south station and then you can either take the silver line which silver line is fine when it's reliable but it's never reliable it never is yeah it never is if you're on the silver line there's an issue so i always end up especially last summer i just ended up walking it every single day Oof. which is it's fine i mean it's a good half hour walk and I mean, when you're sitting in a box office, I mean, 
you're not there's not really a lot of movement there so i i used to do it as like my like exercise for the day you know to get myself up and active but brutal but brutal um yeah last week i i i had this epiphany i was like i have to be at two different places at once i can't be late to one job but i still have to technically be working and i had this jimmy neutron moment like a brain blast brain blast (laughs) yes it was a brain blast moment (laughs) now luckily with my full-time job i can kind of take my lunch whenever i want it's nine to five so i took my lunch at three o'clock i already previously ate and got hopped in the car drove there and i so like it was like 40 minute drive to to seaport which is i don't recommend doing it it's pretty bad and i then came back to lunch at four o'clock already in the parking garage at in seaport just answering emails and finishing up whatever i have to do (laughs) hey it works i i i learned how to play the system yeah i do that i do that every once in a while every once in a while multiple times a week at my job because I get two 15 minute breaks and an hour long lunch and I will usually try and take one of those 15 minutes and just like wolf down some food whether I bring it or if I like order it way ahead so that it'll be there and ready and then during my hour long break I will either post up in one of the like changing rooms or something and try and take a nap or like I'll use that hour and walk a couple of blocks like go see my girlfriend hang out for a little bit catch one of my buddy's bands playing somewhere like definitely definitely gang the system in that way yeah for sure i mean you have to you have to learn to do that i think that's that's one of the most important parts of being a functioning adult they it's, it's time management oh yeah um but hopefully it works out that way for the rest of the summer um but a couple of things have happened recently um i got my car we got the car towed last week Almost to the exact same, like it was, so last year we got towed, I think on the 16th, I got towed on the 15th, so almost Ugh. to the same day getting towed, brutal, um, yep. because they, they are like, first up, they always want cash, they don't, they don't take card, it's always cash. So the only time, the only time that I've ever gotten a parking ticket I didn't know that I had a parking ticket. I had in Boston or Nashville. In Nashville, I had no idea I had a parking ticket. There was no ticket on my windshield, like nowhere. There was nothing. The only time I ever got it, I was definitely parked illegally, and I got a notice in the mail from mm. the traffic violations bureau, <laughs> and they were like, "You have a ticket that's like four months old." Four months. Yeah, they had all of the they had all of the information on that. And uh, I called the clerk's office. I looked up the ticket online and they have a way to pay it online, uh, which is what I ended up doing. But I had no prior notification or anything. I just opened this piece of mail and I was like, "You've what? You've got to be fucking kidding me. I mean, Boston, and, uh, parking maids love to write parking tickets like candy around here. Yeah. Well, and the thing was like the only reason why the only reason why I didn't like really try and fight it was because um, so I looked it up online first and I saw and it was like at that point it was like ninety four dollars 
because mm. it was so far removed from the date of the ticket or whatever. I was like, that's ridiculous. So then I called in and when I called, they were like, I was asking them for any information they could give me. And they were like, oh yeah, third Avenue North, you know, you were parked in, you were parked in a space that wasn't a parking zone or whatever else. Yeah. You were kind of asking and I was for like, it. I was sitting there and I was like, yeah, I've used that spot more than a couple of times. <laughs> like, You got to find a like new spot. That's, that's not a real spot. It should be a spot. There's no reason for you to have literally like 40 feet between the last spot and the corner. But like, yep, I I definitely remember using that. So maybe it just got blown away or what? I don't know. Yeah, that, that's but probably what happened. I was um, like, okay. We got, we got towed on cleaning day. So, oh, that's oh, thank thank God that that's not a thing. Although so, I wish they would do that on my street. So they'll clean the street, and if you're parked, they'll tow it, and then also give you a parking ticket as well. On top of that, that sucks. It does suck. Um, oh, that's I, I, I spent a whole like I was I was luckily I was working from home and I had an hour lunch and I I was like. I, we have like a chat going. So I'm like, okay, time to go to lunch. And I individually messaged my manager and I was like, oh, hey, my, my car got towed. So uh, if I'm not back in time, like... That's why. That's why. And they're like, oh, well, good luck. Yeah. <laughs> so I had to take the T to the parking garage and walk where they held my car. And when I was picking it up, this girl was like arguing with the clerk I'm just like, like, man, you know, it sucks that the car, your t- car got towed or my car got towed, but I'm not going to put it out on this poor person right here. They're yeah, just, this is not the person that did this. Yeah. Like, if anything, it's my fault. Like, I was the one who shouldn't have parked there, uh, knowing full well, like, it was cleaning day. You know, it was on yeah. me. <laughs> like, I was like, I'm just gonna. I'm. I'm like, damn. I'm gonna be the nicest person to the. I'm gonna be the nicest person to this. Yeah, court. you just gotta eat it. Yeah, just, just. Oh, here you go. Here's, here's my license. Oh, here's, here's my money. Had everything all set for them. Um, yeah. And then, and then when I went to go get the car, there was a tow truck about to tow it again out to a different yard, and I'm like, wait, 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 wait. wait. He's like, is this your car? I'm like, yeah. And like, he's like, do you pay for it? I'm like. Yeah, <laughs> like I showed, I'm like flashing the receipt, and he's like, "Like, okay, get out and turn to right." I'm like, "All right, cool. thank you, cool. <laughs> thanks, thanks for not making me walk any further than I had to." <laughs> that was like, that was like when I got towed at UNH. You got towed at UNH? Yeah, I got fully towed. I just remembered that as you were telling that story. I had, uh, it was when we moved to the Derby house, and, um. The girl I was seeing at the time had moved into Soundview because she was going to be an RA. Right. And I went to go hang out with her because I had the day off and it was before the semester had like fully started. Mm-hmm. And I, <laughs> I left Soundview and I turned the corner to go to my car and I was like, where the, where the hell is my car? <laughs> I just remember being so confused like, I I got here I got here from Derby. I I drove here and I parked there. And where the fuck is my car? Oh no. And I was like I was one of the only cars that was in the lot at that time. So I was I was big mad about it. 
but it was the same kind of deal where like I finally figured out where the lot was that they were keeping it. They fucking dented my Subaru. Oh no. Like it it was clearly dented and I believe they ended up waiving like most of the fees or whatever because I went to them and I was like, I have pictures that I had to take to get my parking pass for the college in the first place. Right. Here's what this looked like two weeks ago. Here's what it looked like now. And then somebody fessed up and whatever else. But yeah, it was the same deal where I went there just tail between my legs. Like, yeah, I I thought that I was in the clear because the semester hadn't started or whatever. But I guess it was like they were cleaning the lots or whatever. Fucking fine. My bad. Yeah. Right. Um, I still have. So it was the same deal. Like, I'm not going to I'm not going to blow up anybody's spot because I fucked up. But still, like, no, of course not. It's always it's usually never. It's like um like whenever somebody calls us usually never our fault it's usually something else out of the control i still have unpaid parking tickets from unh that's fucking hilarious um i I don't know what that means they haven't tried looking for money from me so i mean at at this point they gotta like you haven't lived in the state for so long like it's that and also like they'll just tack it on to your loan payments (laughs) Yeah, just tack it on. Like, what's another forty bucks? Yeah, fuck. Yeah, you know what's what's another forty bucks on that? Yeah, the interest the interest is gonna bury me for the rest of my life anyway. Fuck it. Yeah. Um. Nah, besides- my loan my, my loan payments aren't that bad. Which is uh, there's a little humble brag for the audience. Um. No comment. <laughs> no comment. I have um, uh. Well, that's a perfect pivot into the fact that uh. I have one Mr. Joe Lagambina to thank for my for my financial situation. Uh, and as we are recording this on Tuesday night, it is my father's birthday. So happy birthday, Dad! Thank you for uh, thank you for you know raising me and teaching me to be a self sufficient human. A nice here's, life skill to have. Here's to you, Joe. I'm raising my my beer as a toast. Salute to Joseph Lagambina, Mr. Giuseppe, the one and only. Yes, for sure. Um, I think besides that, I went to Frank Turner on Friday. Hell yeah. God damn. He puts on a great show. He is so good. Yeah. I was bummed that that little run he was doing wasn't going to come through Nashville. Um, wait, him doing all 50 States. He's not playing Nashville. I don't think so. I think he's playing Knoxville or something. There's a couple of other venues in other parts of the state. Yeah. Yeah. I don't think it's, I don't think it's coming directly to Nashville, but 50 States and 50 days. That's either. Yeah. That's either the coolest tour or the stupidest tour, especially coming off of a pandemic. But he's killing it. Yeah, but it was a good gig. Oh yeah, oh yeah, great gig. Give us a uh, give us a pit report. Um. Well, it was also my first time going to Roadrunner, uh, the newest venue in Boston, and goddamn, it is such a great space. It feels like the Sinclair. It 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 feels so intimate but it's still you can tell it's such a huge like concert venue like a concert space yeah so uh so obviously uh we we've talked before about i'm trying to get back up there especially in november uh, i want to go see the 10-year anniversary tour for on the impossible past by the menzingers four days after that gig oh boy tur- turnstile is going to be at roadrunner so I think that what I'm going to try and do is get my paid time off as high as I can possibly make it 
and spend a full seven days. I'm not making any commitments, but this is going to be on record now. So sure. we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. Um, I think I think I'm going to try and make an entire week up in Boston, hit up everybody that I haven't been able to see the past couple of times that I've been there and uh, go check out Roadrunner for Turnstile and whatever. What are the what are the men's areas playing? The Royale? They're playing the Paradise, which. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Which is Paradise is more of a club kind of deal. It's a weird I'm interested venue. to see what that looks like. It's probably going to be a really cool show. It's definitely small for them. I mean, the last time they went around, they played the House of Blues. I don't know how well that yeah. sold, but you know, Paradise, I'm kind of surprised at. But are they playing like smaller venues on this upcoming tour? It kind of seems like it. Um, like Menzingers are big, definitely like mid-tier touring act. But I feel like like House of Blues still seems a little bit big for them for headliners. Because House of uh, House of Blues Boston in particular is huge. I mean, the only other House of Blues I've been to is the one down in Orlando mm-hmm. at Disney World, and that's a that that's a deceptively small venue. So yeah, I, 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 size wise, like I'd like to think that the Menzingers could just absolutely sell out House of Blues style venues everywhere. But I've also seen them down here at like Basement East, which is definitively like a smaller stage for national touring acts, and it's still like. We've talked about last time I saw them down here, like I had to be the one to get people to move. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I'm not the guy to do that. So Oh and snail mail. That is so interesting. And J JPEG Mafia, I think. Like it's a yeah. it's a it's a very diverse lineup. I'm I'm very interested to see how that goes. Except JPEG JPEG Mafia isn't playing in Boston for that show. Oh, is is it just turnstile and snail mail? Do they have somebody else coming? I mean, they might have someone else, but that's to be determined, I guess. I'd be, I'll be interested to see because Roadrunner definitely seems like a little bit of a, like, it seems a little bit like Brooklyn Bowl down here in Nashville. Like, I think that's going to be a pretty decently sized stage, pretty decently sized room. I'm wondering, I'm wondering what the vibe is going to be. Like, is it going to be like big room hardcore where I'm kind of like, I don't know what to do here? Or is it going to feel like truly intimate where I can be like, all right, let's, let's hop in the pit for a little bit were going crazy for frank turner so that was cool to see but boston yeah. loves frank turner yeah but i mean boston just goes hard for like i know i've been to a couple of local shows where it's very subdued and everything else but anything that's like nationally touring i feel like boston always goes really hard so i'm interested to see uh i'm interested to see what that looks like um flights I've got a couple of alerts for different flights and stuff like that right now, so it doesn't look too bad, and it doesn't look like I'll have to miss out on uh, on very much in the way of pay or like work time or whatever else. So just kind of keeping my head down, still trying to make it back up yep. there at some point this summer, and for then sure. yeah, my I think my big vacation for the year, I'm gonna try and fit a couple of shows in and do Boston properly around the time of my birthday. Hell yeah. Um, before we get any further into the show, what are we drinking today? I'm keeping it simple. The least interesting option that I had because my, uh, my, the old ball and chain, my lovely lady. Ooh, that's a, <laughs> she, uh, <laughs> I'm booing that term, not your, your ball and chain. <laughs> that's why I said it. We're here. We're here for the ha ha's. Um, She's got me she's got me drinking white claws because they're just so they're easy to put down, but they're also easy to like monitor yourself on. Um 
So yeah, I've got a raspberry white claw right now because it's just in the fridge chilling out. So having having a good old seltzer. And also, you know, judge me all you want, but it's like 93 degrees down here. And honestly, I'm not looking to sit out in 93 degree heat, try and make myself look like a Sicilian and drink like a highlight or something. That just feels too heavy right now. Yeah, I can get that. Just give me a I, seltzer and get it over with. I was thinking about that. I'm like, yeah, sometimes like there's just too heavy heat. I did have a, uh, the other night I was out on the town. My buddy Jesse, uh, his brother Jake is uh, is in town and I went with a couple of um, Bearded Iris home styles, which are like a Tennessee IPA. Mm-hmm. Um. Very, very juicy, very kind of like sweet to offset the harshness of the hoppy IPA kind of deal. But I really liked it. It was a nice little sipping beer. So that would be my recommendation over another fucking White Claw. But that's Fair where enough. I'm at. Um, I am drinking um, Shoveltown Brewery, uh, their beer called Cape House. Um, so Sunday we... We were making our way down to Woods Hole because we were going to go, um, and I say it in big air quotes, camping in Woods Hole. If you follow, actually, you probably didn't see, I don't, I, I rarely post anymore, but we were going glamping. All right. So basically there's like this trailer of Airstream trailers and it's, you know, you camp, not really camp, but you hang out you have fire like you sleeping out in the woods but you have like all yeah. the all the amenities that you yeah that you need and before we were making our way down there we stopped in i forget what town it was but we stopped for breakfast and we went to Fa- farmer's daughter which some of the best breakfast you can have in massachusetts probably it's like farm to table they tell you exactly where they get each ingredient from nice which is kind of that's really cool like i had yeah. some a really solid breakfast um they had a brewery around the corner from there called shoveltown brewery and decided to stock up on some beer before heading heading out to the wilderness yeah <laughs> um and i was like ooh this one sounds good cape house cuz we're essentially going to the cape and this is really good. It's like a dried hoppy ale and has like grapefruit in it. Um, it has oh. Cape House is brewed with wild flower honey, wheat malt, and dried hop with mosaic hops, notes of guava and grapefruit on the nose with a crisp honey finish. And it tastes like the beer that dip on after going to the beach and you take an outdoor shower and this is your shower beer yeah that's what it tastes like and it's great i know exactly what you're talking about (laughs) it's such a specific thing yeah but it's it's really good i love that um before we before we get into some sports news and stuff like that um you brought up a topic that i think would be kind of cool to talk about for a couple minutes um you were saying that you don't you, you don't post that much on social media and stuff like that hmm I'm, oh, I'm, oh, oh no. No, just uh, on the topic of posting, like I'm very much in the same boat where I'll repost some stuff and like Instagram stories come up, you know, a couple of times a week and everything else. But like, are you as burnt out as I am with just 
like I can't I feel like I can't consume anymore. <laughs> like I'm so sick of Instagram and TikTok and Twitter and Facebook and everything else. Like I can't I cannot for the life of me figure out social media anymore. <laughs> I'm just I can't do it. There's too much of it. I think I think there are some good things about social media, but I mean there's also some really bad things as well. It is it's really bad for your mental health. I'm just like how many it's re- it's really funny how many people that I've seen like I've interacted with them in real life and been like, "Oh, okay, like I get what you're about. You're kind of a cool person. You can do, you know, whatever. You're talented in this way or that way or whatever else." And then I just I see their posts on social media and I'm sitting back and I'm like, "For the love of God, go touch some grass." Like get get I don't need I don't need any of this. Have you thought about not posting every single thought that you've ever had? Yeah, I mean, I look at <laughs> I look at some of my old posts and I'm like like I yeah, I, I'm, I cringe I'm in the at same it. boat. I cringe at it, like especially old Facebook posts. Yeah. Man, that stuff is pretty cringe. Um but I don't do that stuff anymore. I'm kind of, you know, I post a little bit here and there, sometimes on my story. Um about it. Like and I used to post on everything, like Snapchat, Facebook, Twitter. Now I I'm- only had I only had Snapchat for like maybe 2 years and I never I never loved it. I never got addicted to it the way that other people did. Um there's still some people in my life that will say like, "Oh yeah, I posted this on Snapchat." And I look at them and I'm like, "I feel like such an ancient man." <laughs> when they're like, "Oh yeah, did you see this thing on Snapchat?" And I sit back and I'm like, no. Why the f- no, why the fuck would I? Why would I be on Snapchat? I I'm I'm a seven I'm a twenty seven year old man. Exactly. Like, I, I feel like Snapchat is it's for younger people. Um which isn't that's not I'm not saying that as a bad thing. It's just not something for me. Yeah, it, uh, I just like and there's so many times where I post anything like any social media. Anytime I post anything lately, within 10 minutes, I have to sit back and look at it and be like, was this worth it? Like, did I, did I really need to share this with the world? It's, yeah. uh, I'm just, I, I don't I'm think so... that. I, I never usually think that. I'm like, I don't know. Social media is just a way to make yourself look cool. Yeah. I you definitely know? fall into that trap a lot. Like, like, look at how sick my life is. Look how terrible your life is. My life is so sick. I'm doing this thing. And you're not. That's why I'm... You're sitting at home on your couch with Cheetos and and wasting your life on Elder Ring or some other shit. That's going to hit pretty close to home for me pretty soon, though. I mean, I don't play Elder Ring. I, I don't the- think you're... Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure if you pay much attention to the... Uh, to the gaming thread on the discord server we're in oh i don't i play the same three games i'll tell you well see that's my issue but they were they were they were shooting some flames at me about the fact that the uh the next edition of the final fantasy 7 remake is coming out and they were all like oh i bet aj is fucking so happy about this i was like you know what i fucking am man i I love this game (laughs) i play madden 2k and MLB The Show. That's all I need. Those are the only games. I've tried other games. Those are the only ones that matter to you? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Only once. Um. <laughs> I've been 
No, I've been I've been all in on the Final Fantasy VII hype, and I'm not a big Final Fantasy fan. Um, but Seven just has that place in my heart, and I've been waiting for news on the next part of the remake, and they announced some other games and stuff, and I now have to shell out for a PS5 before next winter so that I can play it. It's it's an addiction, but yeah, man, yeah. that's but the the point being that I mean that Discord server is the only form of social media where. Ooh, that was a good one. Um, yeah, that uh, that Discord server is the only facet of social media lately where I walk away like feeling good, or I'm not like second guessing whatever I posted or whatever else. Like, shout out to Sean for starting the Roger is a clown server because. Well, I I like it because even when I'm by myself watching a game, I feel like I'm I'm watching it with a bunch of other people, and it's fun. It's it like, yeah, and even. I have fun like like saying shit in the server. So shout out to you, Sean. Yeah, and even even post game, like if I wasn't able to catch it because I was working or I was doing something else, being able to turn around and be like reading through all the hot takes that everybody has in the moment, just watching everybody be like, "Oh, this is so hype! This is so hype!" Ah, oh, shit! <laughs> like it's a it's a great little community that we have there for sure. Um. Oh, one other thing. Before we get to Celtics, um, see, we're kind of a- avoiding talking about them. But one last thing. So I, so Justine and I were going to Martha's Vineyard after um, doing this camping. And we're on the bus. We, par- we had to park like miles and miles away. The bus was picking us up. Go to the ferry. And... <laughs> I guess these these people that were sitting near us, I, they must not have been from Massachusetts, or they must have they were tourists. Clearly, like my God, the workers are so intense. Like they're like yelling at us, and I'm like, I, I'm just laughing. I'm I'm laughing at this. I'm nah. like I'm like they're not yelling at you. They're and they're not intense. They're just they're trying to get you in and like to do the thing that you need to do. We're we're efficient here. We'll yell at you, but like we're we're like we want you to to enjoy yourself and get out. <laughs> I still uh I still run into that at work a lot down here where I'll like I'll say something and it's just very matter of fact like hey I need you to do this and then I get feedback about like oh well you know this person took that as like they felt like you were really being kind of you know aggressive like what's aggressive about asking you to do your job dude like. <laughs> That's, yeah, I I find I, I find myself when I'm I'm responding to customer service emails, I'm very matter of fact. Like I cut the fat out and like just yeah, get to just the point. Like I read some a of my plus b equals c. <laughs> I read some of my other coworkers' emails, and they just have like all this flowery like language in it, and all this other extra crap in it. I'm like nope, you need to do this and you need to do that and you can't do this and you can't do that. Have a good day. Yep, like this is, I am on the clock. When I clock in, when I am being paid to do something, you can rest assured that not a single thing I say is personal. I am just expecting you to do this. A, again, two plus two equals four. A plus B equals C. Yeah. I am here to do a job. You are here to do a job. I expect you to do that to the best of your ability, the same way that I expect myself to do my job to the best of my ability. I don't need to be your best friend. I, I frankly, I don't care whether I don't care. 
I don't care what your personal opinions are. You're here to do a job. Do the job. Yeah, fair enough. Ugh. Let's talk about the Celtics. Man. This is why I'm getting heated. Because why am I invested? I don't even like the Celtics that much. <laughs> you know, it was a hell of a season. I don't think any of us thought we would make it that far. Especially after January where we were... Or we like tw- we were like twenty seven and twenty six, and we went on that huge run, eventually making it to the NBA Finals. Yeah, honestly, I'm proud of them. Like we, I didn't see this coming, and I'm. It's a step in the right direction. I mean, obviously, it sucks to lose to a team like the Warriors, but hats off to Steph Curry. He's one of the goats. Yeah. God damn, he is so infuriating to watch. But he's so good. He is so, yeah. he is so, it's, it's amazing. Like it is amazing to sit there and be able to watch him, like just do his thing. So I have my personal issues with the Celtics organization. We've talked about it. I don't need to go into it. Um, but when I found out that the Celtics were going to be in the finals, it was very much like a, what's good for the goose is good for the gander kind of deal. Like it's right. been a minute since Boston had a championship. Yeah, let's go Celtics. Um, And then reading a lot of the opinion pieces and things like that during the series, it struck me as very similar to the position that the Patriots are in right now, where it's just like we had a rookie quarterback that got us into the playoffs. And that that's not enough for most Boston fans. But for somebody with like critical thinking skills, you look at that and you're just like, that's that is incredible. And on its own merits, we should be very thankful that we figured that out at least last season. For sure. Um, this this finals with the Celtics, it feels very similar. We've got a very young team. We've got clearly a very good coach, a pretty good you know front office leadership team and stuff like that. We, by all accounts, we were not the team that should have been making it that far into the series. And we did. And for those first few games... We looked like we belonged there. So, yeah, hats off. They they, uh, they came just about as close as they could have. That's, you know, hard hard to root against Boston when the opportunity comes around, you know? Of course. And I wish Jason Tatum played a little bit better. If he, if he lived up to when he played in every other series, he probably would have been better. But probably could be talking about a championship. But they look tired out there. Well, and that's kind of the, that is kind of a very Boston thing, I think, is our best, our best championship teams are the ones that end up having to play from behind. And I think that's very true of this Celtics team. They had to, they were not the favorites. I don't think they were ever really the favorites. So for them to get there, we need to be grateful for to begin with. You also kind of have to realize that when you're perpetually playing from behind like that, that takes its toll. So even though it's just, you know, ideally four last games, five last games, six, seven last games, that's an entire season on that dude's knees. And it showed like that was I think that was part of the issue was just it. It takes a lot to get there. And especially when you're not the front runner you got to make up a lot of slack and if you don't have the ability to do that you're going to you're going to fall behind to people that have been there 3 4 times before yeah and i mean 
how many games did they play in the playoffs? I mean, first series, they swept the Brooklyn Nets. You also have 82 games in a season, so that's 86 games. Probably like seven the next series, seven, six. So you're playing 100 games. That's a lot of basketball games. Yeah. Very close to one another, too. Not a lot of days off in between. Also, Robert Williams being hurt the whole, the whole playoffs. That was huge. That was a huge, huge loss. Yeah. Um, but there's a lot of hope for the future. There's a lot of things to look forward to with this team. Um, unlike another Boston team like the Bruins. <laughs> we, ha- we don't talk a lot of Bruins here, but man, firing Bruce Casey, Bruce Cassidy, excuse me. Wrong move. Wrong move. You know, the, uh, Patrice Bergeron is still in a gray area. We don't know if he's going to retire or if he's going to try again. Uh, I think he's kind of looking at the front office and being like, what the fuck are you guys doing? Uh, we've had we've had multiple championship caliber teams and just pissed it away over and over again. Um, I've seen a bunch of talk about a potential trade where we get rid of Pasternak, which... That's a bad move. He's a player to build around. That's a bad move. He's young too, isn't he? Like twenty five, twenty four. I think he's. I think he's on the wrong side of twenty five, but still like relatively young. Uh, Marchand and Bergeron are both championship caliber players still to this day, and we haven't been able to build around them. Like the Bruins organization is just a mess, just absolutely disastrous, and they are. Like, I I so desperately wanted to see Bergeron and Marchand get another cup in the black and gold. And from where I'm sitting, there's just not a way to do that. And that's a shame. And man, what a mess of an organization where you have, you know, they, it was bad. It was bad losing to the Blues when we still had Chara. I feel like it was even worse this past year where most of the season we just looked dominant and we hmm. still just couldn't pull it together i don't think that's bruce cassidy's fault like i get that firing the head coach is like the easy kind of thing to do to kind it's of get the fans on your side but the thing is that every every single one of the fans that i've seen posting about it on social media and stuff are sitting back and being like you people are idiots so everyone wants don sweeney gone yeah like just like sweeney sweeney's gotta go if we don't like I'll give I'll give him I'll give him one more season, especially if he can somehow manage to hold on to Bergeron and Marchand sticking around. I think he still has like a year or two left on his contract. If if Sweeney can pull it off this year, then fine. Okay, we reevaluate at the end of next season. If we can't get even into the finals this coming season, ooh, finals. That's that is expectations. Yeah, if, if we, if we can't do it this season, blow it all the fuck up and just man, I'm I'm sorry, Marshand is my guy. I love his style of hockey, especially once he like like I get that he's always been labeled as a dirty player. I think he really in the past 2 or 3 years has really come through as like more of a leader. He's less of just like a shithead like pest. Um if we can't put something together with Marshand and Bergeron and if we can't hold on to Pasternak I've never, <laughs> my entire sports watching career, I've never been so disheartened in a team. <laughs> like the Bruins are a mess. I mean, 
I stopped caring about the Bruins. I don't. I. <laughs> I. I mean, it's. I mean, it's weird because I'm actually wearing a Bruins shirt. Well, it's a Selly brand shirt. I'm wearing my uh, Sagan sis, uh, sisters' uh, two girls no cup shirt, <laughs> which is hilarious. Um, <laughs> Leave it to Chris. Oh, I love it. Um, but yeah, like it's all about the ownership, man. The owners aren't yeah. good. Why should anyone care? Yeah, it's it. It's a mess. It's not. It's not irredeemable. It's just like it's. It's funny how especially through these past seasons, like this past year, I feel like there's way less hate coming for the Bruins than there is coming from the Patriots. And I think that that should be swapped because the Patriots have shown, even when we had Cam during COVID, like the Patriots have shown multiple times that they know what they're doing. They're just, you know, they had a hand tied behind their back. Right. When Brady left, like, they had exhausted cap space and everything else, and there's a very specific way that that organization runs. But well, I mean, they've had. I was going to say we should be we should be thanking Cam. Without Cam, we didn't have our draft pick. Yeah. So you know what? Like he helped us get Mac Jones. So well, and I'll I'll go a step further. Like without Cam, we wouldn't have our draft pick, which is kind of like a that's a little bit negative because. You know, that saying with Cam under center that we weren't doing great, which resulted in a better draft pick. Cam, like, Cam understood the assignment. Cam came in and, you know, he's a. Here he's comes a AJ, the biggest Cam Newton apologist. No, no, no. I'm you're saying, the, like, you're the as biggest, a. Lo- you're the biggest Cam Newton apologist. As a, as a locker room guy, as a guy as with a the Cam media Newton and everything apologist. else. Shut the fuck up. fine as a cam as a cam newton apologist like did he did he show what he was capable of on the field at this point i would say yes at this point i would say yes and it wasn't that great so watching him do interviews and stuff lately where he says he doesn't think he's on the lower tier of the quarterback list is come on man now he just seems desperate. But as a as a leader and as a media presence and as a person that could like keep the locker room together, I think Cam more than did his job. I think the benefit that we got from his best not being great was that yeah, we ended up with Mac Jones. Um but no, I think I think Cam definitely had a part to play in keeping the ship afloat uh for that particular season and leading us into what we have as a very hopeful um, second season for Mac Jones, right? Like, I think that's, I think that's fair to say. I think he really, he did his job, not necessarily on the field. Like we didn't get the wins that we were hoping with a formal, with a former MVP and things like that. But he definitely picked up some slack in some other areas that kept us relevant. And nobody talks about the Patriots as a poverty franchise, right? So the point being that like, there's a lot of question marks around the Patriots, but we've had so many things over the past three years that have kept us in the conversation. For sure. We have been, we're, we're in the conversation. We made it to the playoffs this past year. By all accounts, it looks like Mac Jones is going to be leading us to bigger and better things this season. The flip side of that coin being the Bruins, where it's just like, there's been a lot of hype and a lot of things, and we made it to the playoffs again. And fell flat on our face 
and I don't see as much hate going towards the Bruins organization as I do people calling for Bill Belichick's head with the Patriots. Like people are mad at Belichick because of coaching decisions this coming season and everything else. And there's not as much time being spent talking about like the Bruins are objectively a shit show. What are we doing? <laughs> like what? What is that organization doing? Again, you know, I don't care about the Bruins. They have bad owners that don't care about their employees. They don't care about the product on the field. I, I don't know. I I, I don't know, man. Um, <laughs> um yeah. I, I mean I I think at the beginning of this year I was starting to feel that way towards the Red Sox, although the Red Sox have been doing better now. They've been on a little bit of a hot streak, yeah. It's still we're we're just getting into the summer. It's it's too early to tell with baseball, but they've definitely they've made strides. So we'll see what they look like come, you know, late August. Yeah, for sure. Hopefully they're still keeping it up, but they can't last thing. <laughs> Last thing on the uh, on the Boston sports tip. Did you see your uh, Did you see our boys? Our boys were out at Fenway Park yesterday or two days ago. Oh, Manny and David Ortiz. Manny and Poppy, baby, let's go. Oh, those two are my favorites. <laughs> I don't care. Those two are my favorites. I just I think it was I think there was a little bit of a. I think it was a little bit of a political decision because I remember that there was some talk about the fact when um, when David Ortiz was inducted into the Hall of Fame, uh, they had a little celebration at Fenway Park. Manny wasn't there. Um, so I think it was a little bit political to have Manny out there um, just to show like it was a show of good faith or whatever. But watching the two of them, like I watched every video that I possibly could. I wish that Nesson had sent uh, Tim Wakefield down to the stands and just he, I wish he had brought a microphone with him and just had the three of them sit there and just roll tape. Just go. Just let them talk. That would have been so funny. But yeah, Manny Ramirez got... Uh, he got like a plaque or something. There was some sort of celebration for Manny. Uh, he got to throw out the first pitch and he David Ortiz it. caught it. He deserves it. I mean, he was the uh, World Series MVP for 2004. Yeah. Fantastic Red Sox. Yeah, he had his hijinks, he had his moments, but dude was a beast. I think that 2004 team is probably my favorite sports team of all time. They've, for any true Boston sports fan, they've got to be top three. Like, that's... Absolutely. Like, I can probably name 10, 10 players off the top of my head who had moments in, like, in that, during that season. Just a, it was just, it was cool. It was cool to see him out there. Big Manny guy. Love him. I, I collect his rookie cards. That's too cool. I have, I have a couple of his rookie cards. My favorite player of all time. Probably not the greatest. He seems... He's not the greatest Red Sox of all time, but he is my he's my favorite. He's your guy. He is my guy. Greatest is probably Ted Williams still. Not Poppy. Really? Ted Williams? I mean, look at his stats, man. He's the greatest Red Sox player of all time. You put a gun to my head right now and ask me what my favorite Red Sox player of all time is. No more. Nah. No more is one of my favorite athletes of all time. He's one of my favorite Boston sports like figures. No more. We went over it very early on in the podcast with our Mount Rushmore. I love No more. I really do. Right. Favorite member of the Red Sox of all time. I'll give you one more guess. 
Have they played in our lifetime? Yes. Pedro? Nailed it. Pedro is great. Nailed it. I, especially in this day and age where I can go back and watch like highlights and stuff like that whenever I want to. Yeah. Pedro Martinez. Just an, like an absolute beast. Probably had the two greatest pitching seasons. And he just seems like like fierce competitor on and off the field. But like everything that I've ever seen of him off the field just makes him look like Pedro Martinez and Julian Edelman occupy the same space in my head. He's He just seems like such a great dude. Like if I ran into him walking down fucking Newberry Street or something, there's no doubt in my mind that I could go and like just shake his hand. Yeah, don't ask Don Zimmer that. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think he'll throw me to the ground. Yeah. Oh man. That was that's that was Oh hey, whatever. <laughs> whatever. <laughs> I liked Kurt Schilling before all the political stuff. Yeah, Kurt Schilling just seems like just man. just it's just the legend of like the bloody sock. Like I don't know, when I was a kid that was just the thing. Yeah. Seeing that posted in like the the Hall of Fame, baseball Hall of Fame. Yeah. One of the coolest things. Shame that he turned into such a shithead. <laughs> yeah. Oh well. I mean, so did a lot of those guys. I mean, look at Yeah. Johnny Damon. Johnny Damon was at like a Trump rally. Johnny Damon lost me when he went to the Yankees. Yeah. And then Yeah, he just I've seen he pops up on social media because I follow some of I follow a little bit of like the Barstool, Bob Menery kind of side of sports analysis and stuff. And the thing with Johnny Damon for me is I don't find him like, I don't think he's like offensive. It's just like, dude, stop trying to be 24. Like you're, you're a grown ass man. Please act like it. Yeah. You got like a DUI recently. (laughs) It's one, it's one of the reasons why I still can't talk that much shit on Brady. Cause like, I think Tom I think Tom Brady's a little bit too like in the culture and doing all of his like meme shit and Instagram and TikTok and everything else. But like every time Tom shows up in those kind of situations. Yeah. Every time he shows up in those situations, it's just like, oh you're this you're such a dad. (laughs) Like Yeah. Like he leans into that aspect of things where it's just like he seems more self aware than somebody like Johnny Damon where anytime he shows up is just like stop stop like it's cringe yeah it, 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 how, how are you doing son are you winning like shut the fuck up old ass man <laughs> like, Tom Tom gets to the cringe level a couple of times but it doesn't seem like he plays into the cringe a little bit more but what were you saying he how have we not talked about his massive fox deal and being a broadcaster whenever he decides to like retire Uh, meh i mean they keep trying to bring these guys in because they think they're going to be john madden or terry bradshaw or whoever else Uh, i don't care until i see it you know peyton and eli their little thing on espn i watched one full game with them doing that and it was fine i never watched that because i prefer to just watch the game yeah, I watch I watched one game where they did that and I've watched some highlights where they've had some interesting people on and stuff. Whatever. The the knowing knowing Brady's mind like pre and post snap, like maybe he has some really interesting stuff, but 
you know, Tony Romo was really good for a year until he became fucking annoying too. So if Tom's going to go do analysis for Fox after, okay. Yeah. Talk about festivals. Yeah. So uh, to give you guys a little bit of context, um, a couple of weeks ago was the CMA Fest down here in Nashville. Um, this past weekend, Bonnaroo just wrapped up. Um, Boston Calling has happened. Uh, we are in we are in the midst of festival season. Uh, I don't think Reading and Leeds has happened over in the UK yet, but I think um, is it Sound and Fury that's happening this coming weekend over there. There's there's a lot of festivals going on. Well, there's in I know in is it in England? There's like there's one in Man not in Manchester. It's like a big one that a bunch of favorite bands are playing, including Super Heaven. I think that might be Sound and Fury. I know that they're playing that tour. I think Drug Church and a couple of other bands are going to be there. There's like a big hardcore festival that's happening soon. Oh yeah, this is hardcore? Uh, That's not the one I'm talking about, but I know that this is hardcore is happening sooner rather than later. Um, Yeah, it's uh, f- festival season is an interesting part of live music. I wanted to do a little bit of a deep dive about it. Um, obviously, you and I have mostly been on the attendance side of things. Uh, we've we've done some work, some minor work on some festivals, putting them on or being part of working them and stuff like that. For sure. Let's just let's just start with like prior experiences. Let's see where that conversation takes us. Um. Uh, so let me see some of the festivals that I've been a part of. I've gone to. I went to Boston Calling in 2014. That was pretty cool. Um, been to I've been to GovBall. That's the one in New York. I think yep. the one this year is like wrapped up. Um, I call GovBall the Instagram Olympics. <laughs> um, it's a joke, but I think it's there's some truth to it because it's just a bunch of people posting about it, trying to show like. Look at how much fun I'm having. Look at, look, look, I saw this and I saw this band and I have all these photo opportunities and look at this drink that I got for like $20 that's in a coconut. Look, guys, look, you know, it's all about the aesthetic. I I think that's a lot of what festival going season has become. Especially Coachella, I feel like. Yeah, Coachella is kind of, as, as long as social media has been a thing, Coachella has been that way. Um burning man's kind of similar shit like that and anybody that knows me knows how much i shit on festivals um i've been to many warp tours both as an attendee and as somebody working tents um had a little bit of experience with bonnaroo boston calling bamboozle things like that oh i went to sad summer Uh, a few years ago oh yeah sad summer fest um festivals are festivals are an interesting kind of beast i think for those for those that like for those that don't know festival festivals more than any other kind of show i think are a money-making endeavor for bands and i think that's why you get so much of the like aesthetic and everything else the way that you wouldn't get with most other shows it's so very much about the experience and people posting about what they're seeing and what they're doing and everything else, it serves an important place. So the big one, I think for both of us would be Warp Tour, right? Never like, went to Warp Tour. So, but a lot of our favorite bands did. 
For sure. And people, I think the people that don't, I think the thing that people don't realize about a festival like that is I know I listened to Dan from the Wonder Years talk about it on a couple of podcasts. Festival season subsidizes the rest of these bands' years. So something like Warp Tour, the Wonder Years playing Warp Tour, that subsidizes the rest of their year as far as touring and stuff goes. That's where they're going to make the most money in the shortest amount of time. And that's going to give them the ability to do the rest of these tours and still provide for themselves and their families. And that that serves a purpose. So I shit on festivals a lot, but I understand why they need to be a thing. I just like, of all the, of all the festivals that you and I have been to, have you ever had like a particularly great time at one? Um, I mean, the thing about festivals is at some point you always end up by yourself. You're like, oh yeah, I'll beat you like later. I'll beat you by this tent for this band playing at this time. Never see your friend. There's never any service because there's too many people. Food is overpriced. The, the sun is beating down on you. Or worse, there's always a festival... I feel like every single festival ends in rain or at some yeah. point in a festival, there's rain. doesn't matter. Every single festival has rain and God, like there's always some kid who can't handle alcohol or can't handle his shit and gets way too wasted. <laughs> and you're just like watching it happen. And you're like, Oh shit, that sucks. Well, yeah. I'm going to go watch, um, fucking, Think of like some festival band like i'm gonna go watch tyler the creator now or something something like that <laughs> yeah i just maybe it's me being fucking old but like i want to support i want to support the bands that i want to support you gotta plan ahead before you go to a festival though yeah i can't i can't i think i'm just down on them because every time one of these festivals get in like they get announced and it's so exciting to see that many bands that you love on one ticket and then you realize uh, they're going to be playing 30-minute sets. That's the thing that just kills me every time. I think the reason I never went to Warp Tour, it was for a multitude of reasons. One, Mansfield is far from Tewksbury. That's like an yeah. hour, and a, hour and a half, two-hour drive away. And it always ended up being on like a Tuesday or Wednesday. Yeah. S- smack down in the middle of the week. And I was like, Mom, Dad, could you drive me? And they're like, nope gotta work gotta do this and it's like also 50 dollar ticket for warp tour and it was always it was like oh three cool bands that i like oh i don't want to spend 50 dollars on three bands i'm actually going to see so i never went to warp tour that's why like people think that's really weird i think i'm probably one of the very few people that's in like an alternative scene that has never gone to warp tour and it's been out of just choice <laughs> yeah no, and also, I mean, the Mansfield date was notorious every year. Every year for probably 10, 12 years, it always rained. Oh, every yeah. Time. Oh, yeah. It, it, it was like, um, like every time I went to Boy Scout camp, there was always like two days. And I don't know if you experienced this, but there was always... Oh, I absolutely. Every <laughs> yep. single week, it didn't matter what the week was, it rained. And it wasn't just a light drizzle; it was torrential downpour. <laughs> oh yeah, the uh, all the walking paths between cabins and everything else would just get washed out, and everything else. It was it was very much like that. I just 
I struggle every time the festival season comes around. I love the idea of seeing so many bands in one place and being able to get that. And I know that it's so important to the bands that we love because people see like a 20 minute set and then decide to go buy a t-shirt and stuff like that. So I know that I know that the money's there. I know that it I know like where it works in the touring economy and stuff like that. I can't bring myself to care about these things because so like like I said this past weekend was Bonnaroo down here in Tennessee and Bonnaroo is basically the east coast's Coachella or middle like the middle of the country it, it's mid uh, it, don't get me started on whether or not Tennessee is east or midwest it's but it's, it's not it's midwest the, but it is closer it's in the middle of the country though it's the it's the eastern Coachella it's not it, Tennessee is not it's eastern. not it's not eastern it's not eastern but it's the eastern Coachella now because <laughs> I I just I guess I well name dep- another dep- name another thing that's more eastern than this that represents the same thing that like Coachella does that's what I'm trying to say you know that's fair because I mean at least with Bonnaroo you do camp out yeah you don't really camp out at GovBall or Boston Calling or Riot Fest. I will say I am excited for Riot Fest. Like that looks really cool. That, that Riot Fest looks cool every year. I just like, it's the festival thing that gets me every time where I'm like, I look at the Riot Fest lineup and I'm like, I really want to go. And then I've never gone because every time it's like, yeah, there's that many bands, but there's going to be overlap. Everybody's playing 30 minute sets. I just... <sighs> I don't care. Original Misfits lineup, My Chemical Romance. I might, I might take a trip to Chicago. See that. I don't know about when we were young. Fest. That's that's a festival that I when I, that first got announced, the logistics of it just hurt my brain. Yeah. What I I'm... find what I find funny about that tour is is like <laughs> the people that like. Oh, but it's the same people that put on uh, Astroworld, like the Travis Scott Festival. It's like, yeah, Live Nation puts on a lot of things. Live Nation puts on everything. <laughs> like, <laughs> calm down. Like, you realize they put on most. They like if you go to a concert venue in a major city, there's definitely Live Nation venues in that area. Yeah, for better or for I worse. I just think, <laughs> I just think the thing to keep in mind for people that are not used to the music business and the way that it works festivals festivals are fun they are for anybody that's like really part of the scene and really plugged in like be prepared for the normies (laughs) be prepared for the people um you know bonnaroo especially but it's not different at any of the rest of these festivals like it's an excuse to go camp in the woods and do drugs (laughs) for a lot of people so be prepared for the people that aren't actually there for the music. Um, but who just cares? recognize? Re- I mean, if that's what they want to do, so be if it. that's what they want to do, just like just be prepared for that and recognize recognize the space that those that the festivals exist in. Like, if you're gonna go and do that, I think the I think the cost benefit analysis definitely favors festivals. You get to go, you get to see this many artists that you love at the same time recognize what that cost benefit analysis is and try and throw some money into merch and everything else but also keep in mind that 
most of those bands, especially the not the headliners, the headliners are doing fine. The, yeah, they're they're not breaking any money. <laughs> yeah, the the fine. next tier down, if you like those bands, if you're intrigued by them, keep an eye on them and go to go see them cuz if they're at that point they're national touring acts. So make sure to go see them when they come back to your city in a few months and do the same thing, get a t-shirt, go hang out, like pay the money to go get a ticket. Like it's supposed to be festivals I think are supposed to be curation kind of deals. Like you get to go see something live that you otherwise wouldn't have gotten to see Mm -hmm. and make sure that you follow that up and keep those guys out on the road and being able to make a living doing what they're doing. Um, I think that's, I think that's the point of festival season is to give you a taste of other things that you wouldn't have otherwise seen. And that's very much not, the topic of conversation when it comes to festival season. I see a lot of people that go to the festivals because somebody that they love is headlining and it's like, that's great, but they're going to be back in six months doing a headlining show at your local arena or amphitheater or something else. Like you need to, if you like something that you see at a festival, make sure that you follow that up by getting a ticket to the next time they're in town and get to see them in their own element, headlining or supporting a big tour or whatever. For sure. I think in a way to put it, it's like going to like going to a brewery. Like you can get a nice sampling of like a nice flight of five different beers that you don't normally get. I mean, most breweries don't have Budweiser, but let's say this brewery does. This is the Dan Mayot brewery. <laughs> I have six different beers, including Budweiser. How about you try a flight of some of the beers that you haven't had, but of having the same old Buzzweiser, you know, try a little bit of different. If you don't like it, you can always walk away and hang out by something else and always get food. But yeah, try it. You might you might end up liking it and you might become a new fan of a new band. Kind of cool. Yeah, just getting getting that ability to being exposed to other things. I think that's the real point of festivals, like being able to go and in some ways you're kind of forced to see some of these other bands and if you like what you're seeing the goal of these things from an artist perspective is that they get to expand their audience and i again i think that's the thing that's lost is you need to be able to like think about it recognize that and go when they go on tour again cuz i feel like especially those those just below the headliners kind of bands are the ones that end up going out on tours where it's their first time headlining or something like that. You need to be you need to be cognizant of that and be able to go and say, "Oh, I really like their set at whatever tour. I'm going to go see them next time they're in town." For sure. That's how you kind of keep the ball rolling as a music fan. To close out, you had to put together a four-band festival bill. Could be any band from the past or future, or past or present, because we can't, we don't know what bands are going to come in the future. Um, what would be like four bands? Oof. In any genre. I have an obvious thought for the headliner, because that would be the thing that would get people in. There would have to be more bands underneath the top four, but AJ's Fest. Okay. As my, as it stands right now. AJ's Fest, the top four billing 
would be Turnstile. Yeah. As the top billing. Ooh, that's the headliner or the that's, first band? That's the headliner. That's that's the headliner. Turnstile for the headliner. Wow. Dan's reacting like holy shit. Yeah, I think I think at this point I think at this point after the past couple of tours and after some of their already announced headlining and support appearances, at Turnstile would be the headliner. Okay. Turnstile and then the three bands underneath Turnstile would be Chromags, the home team no, Turnstile, Top Billing, Chromags, the Menzingers, and the Home Team. Okay. In spirit would probably be in the long uh, in the longer list underneath that, um, to get some more metalcore in there. Um I'm trying to think of what else. Damn, you're not thinking of the normies. Maybe a maybe a co headliner. This would be like the Saturday night, the Saturday night like headline for this fest. Cause I could go I could go like 30, 40 deep on these bands. But like maybe a co headline set turnstile in the nineteen seventy five. Damn. Okay. But definitely but definitely Chromags, the Menzingers, and the home team. Like definitely a like a rock a hardcore indie rock fusion tour. That would be that would be my Saturday night kind of deal. Okay. That that's that's an interesting interesting take. Cuz I'm uh, well, I'm thinking of like true festival bills where they really try and tackle like all of their bases at once, like get something there for everybody. I think I think Turnstile in the 1975 really as a co-headliner for a festival set actually work really well uh right now. Like they each get an hour long set after an entire day of music, but the the next you know the the bold but not big font on that festival poster. Chromags, yeah. Menzingers, the home team, blacklisted. Fuck it, throw a half heart reunion in there. <laughs> I God, like, I, def- <laughs> I definitely want my I definitely want my hardcore in there. But like that that's pretty cool. I think you see mine is a little bit off the rails. Okay, my co headliners would be Kendrick Lamar. And Nirvana. Okay. And Nirvana. The fuck? I I said past or present. Oh shit. Or, you know I what guess I, mean? I kind of have that covered with Chromags, but go ahead. You know, because like Kendrick Lamar kind of for his re- relevancy now, especially like hip hop is such a big genre right now. And Nirvana is a timeless classic. I mean, doesn't matter who you talk to, whether it's a normie or somebody who's into alternative culture. Everyone digs Nirvana. Everyone respects them. Fair. Fair enough. Yeah. Um, I think we have rap. We have rock covered. Turnstile will be the opener, or it will be like that fourth band. Not my headliner, but they're on it for sure. Yeah. Well respected. They deserve it. Um, I'm kind of cheating a little bit looking at like another festival, but not seeing anything I particularly like. I don't want My Chemical Romance. I don't want Paramore. I don't want a day to remember. But I need someone bigger and more relevant than Turnstile. That's tough. The wheels are turning. Actually, you know what? Third, The next spot will be Turnstile. And I know that's kind of weird because, I mean, Turnstile is kind of several steps below Nirvana and Kendrick Lamar. But it's my festival. I, I make the rules. Go with the pop punk band. And I think... I think for a fun band, let's go with State Champs. Ooh. 
Not not who I thought. You thought Wonder Years, but I I know. No, I thought I thought a loss for words, which would have been a little bit of a stretch for that high up on the bill, but still. I think I think all right, state, all right, think, state champs. But obviously, there's probably more bands in between that, and also more bands down the line as well. But I think if if I had to choose like four festival bands, I think all of those are four well-respected bands. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I feel that, and that gives you a feel for like they're not that far off from each other. Like you get that breadth within like guitar rock, but not. Yeah, that's that's a decent festival lineup. They would probably be need, they would probably need some more pop in both of our lineups. Harry Styles would be good. That new Harry Styles record is not I am not mad at it. There's a couple of songs that really kind of hit. It's still not entirely my cup of tea, but yeah, I'll get, uh, I'll give you that. Like Harry Styles is worthy to be on festivals and going to be a festival artist pretty soon. You'll see him there. Yeah. He's already at that point. Definitely. But like top bill. Yeah. Yeah. So many people will travel to go see him. Well, I'm also an old man, so my theoretical festival would not be more than 10 or 15 bands, which is why I was saying like, yeah, co-headliner 1975 turnstile, some more guitar bands underneath and in and out with plenty of the heavy, plenty of the pop. You're good. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> oh, like do you have any? You have anything else to add on your festival festivals in general uh if you're going to any festivals throughout this summer stay hydrated keep your wits about you um first on screen do less drugs than you think you should <laughs> water is your best friend especially when you're out in exactly. the sun and drinking all day for sure drink water also so you don't get drink lips. water anyway what just drink water anyway just yeah. always drink water yes oh let's get into some recommendations yeah, let's do it. Uh, my recommendation is pretty simple. Uh, a song that I forgot existed for a while ago. It, it, I used to listen to this band a lot because a lot of people were into it, and I wasn't really, but I ended up really loving it. Um, my recommendation is the song Damaged Goods by the band La Dispute off of their album Somewhere at the Bottom of the River Between Vega and Altair. Uh, which came out over 10 years ago. Um, this is the I Think I Saw You In My Sleep Darling band. But uh, Wait. Nah, da- Damaged Goods is not that. It's still kind of spoken word, emotional weirdness. Uh, but Damaged Goods is a really good song. So if you've listened to that band before and written them off, or if you know about that band and you know what song I'm talking about, you know it's just... It, it, it's really good go and take a listen pay attention to the lyrics it's great hell yeah hell yeah my recommendation is ben wrecker um tom last week he played at the venue i was working at and he just put out this new album called the joy of music and goddamn, it is just feel good pop music it's upbeat it's catchy and it's very wholesome and very positive which is a change of pace from what I normally listen to. So it's kind of nice. <laughs> True. Um, some outstanding tracks I would give a listen to. Um, there is Living My Best Life, which is, it's just a banger of just good, happy, positive energy. And this song called Sunday, which featuring Snoop Dogg, 
And yeah, it's a good, it's just good, happy music. It's, I would, I would definitely check it out. It's good summer music. Um, Yeah. Very upbeat. Oh yeah. And this brings us to the end of this episode, another episode of us bullshitting our lives. There we go. Yeah. Um, It's, uh, it will not be this long between episodes again. We're both kind of getting our, uh, our summer routines underneath us. So we'll get back to you guys as soon as possible. Uh, if you like it, make sure to like, rate it, review it, whatever on your podcast player of choice. Make sure that you hit us up on at Packy Run Pod on Instagram and Twitter. And uh, yeah, let us know. We'll be back uh, at least on Instagram very soon with another album of the week. And yeah, we'll keep you guys apprised of what's going on and wish us luck on our day job endeavors. And if you like what we do, make sure that you do any of the things that we just mentioned because that helps us grow this and hopefully we can get to a point where we get to bullshit uh for money instead of working day jobs and trying to figure out when we can record this that's that's for sure um but hopefully we'll be back next week but if not we will be back the following week um yeah just like us follow us on social media and um talk to you guys soon all right we'll catch you guys later Bye. Bye Bye-bye.